0: Before we get into this episode, just a shout out to our sponsor, PassTest.
1: Christine and I both found that their online study resource with their excellent videos and show notes were invaluable for preparing for the MRCPI clinical.
0: Check out the link in our show notes to access this great resource.
1: And just an FYI for Irish based candidates that you're able to claim back the cost via your training support scheme grant.
0: Hello and welcome back to episode 8 of MRCPI Bedside. Today we're going to talk about Station 1, Communication and Ethics.
1: So to start off, I thought we might run through the structure of this particular short case because it's a little bit different to the other ones, um, which we cover in our short cases episodes prior to this one. And... The main differences between this case and the other clinical short cases are that this is a lot more testing of your soft skills, your communication skills, your managing of various different situations. And I think that there's a perception, it's fair to say, that this is one of the, in quotation marks, easier of the stations. However, for that reason, I think that it's one that the examiners expect you to be good at and to do quite well in. And you don't want to go in completely unprepared and slip on a banana peel. And, you know, when it could be one that sh- should potentially go quite well for you. This case is similar to the other short cases in that it is 10 minutes long. It's going to be six minutes of interaction with the actor. So first of all, that's that's the main difference that these are actors that you'll be interacting with, not patients. And then that six minutes will be followed by a a bell, and then you will have four minutes of question or discussion time with the consultant examiner who is in the station the station cubicle with you.
0: These actors are exceptionally good at their jobs and you know we've heard they get really into character and don't be afraid if they start crying like violently crying or throwing furniture around what was that story harry Viol-
1: violently crying well like yeah yeah <laughs> yeah
0: what was that story about that oh, there
1: is there is a story from an examination center in the west of ireland in a, a city beginning with the letter g which it was held out in a particular area of the hospital campus where they were able to do each of the cubicles in separate rooms, and so the actor really went for it and became what is it called? Immersive acting. They went for. I think it's like immersive. I okay. don't. I don't know if that's the word okay, actually. Okay. 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 But they
0: improv. No.
1: Maybe a bit of improv <laughs> where they they stood up and they they really shouted at. the the candidates and they they had one of them even I think in one instance they flipped the desk in front of them outrageous that is
0: so outrageous outrageous I Um, I think it's kind of cool but what I was going to say is that you will be provided with a detailed written instruction outside the room or outside on the curtain before you enter and this is quite a it has been and was for me quite a wordy little blurb or vignette to read through so um, you will have the two minutes to read it you do have enough time but just you know stay calm and just try and interpret what exactly you need to ask before going into the room and as well as that just so you know for the rest of the short cases we had to don a plastic apron and gloves uh, the station one is the only station where you don't have to do that
1: Yes, that's right. You don't have to spend as much time putting on gloves and an apron, you should still wash your hands always.
0: Every patient encounter. The other thing to mention is that you're going to be holding your clipboard and the sheet that will be, this will be explained to you by the invigilator at the start of the day, but the sheet that should be facing you will be the station that you should be going into next and once you go in the door you're going to hand them that sheet at the top that will say station one, that is your marking um, sheet.
1: Yeah, that's that's it really. I think they're the main differences. There are some differences to do with the marking scheme um, for this particular station. For example, you know, you obviously aren't being assessed for your ability to do a physical exam or identify clinical signs, but for a lot of the other similar marking categories to the in the the short other and, short cases, the short yeah. and long cases. Yeah. yeah, for sure.
0: So I guess, as we said, it's going to be you the examiner and the actor, and you're going to interact with the actor for six minutes and some of the cases that come up and that the RCPI list on their website as the main scenarios that will occur in the station include um, number one, information giving. So that could be, you know, giving a patient a new diagnosis, counselling a patient on a new medication, explaining an investigation or a result. So that's, you know, just assessing your ability to adequately and effectively explain something to a patient.
1: Yeah. And what's important about that is you aren't being assessed for your clinical knowledge in this station. So we have been told that technically you could give the absolute incorrect information about a management plan. You could say that the treatment for is, if, if inflammatory bowel disease is paracetamol five times a day, which is obviously incorrect, but it shouldn't stand against you. I think that being said, though, have a little strategy or a little a few words put together about we would, if, and I think there's a, there's a situation or there's a case that came up previously where candidates had to um, give a diagnosis and explain the treatment for a new diagnosis of um, HIV and i think if you weren't familiar with those medications and what that pathway looks like you could say something like oh you know we're going to start you on the Mm. best medical practice in line with our up-to-date guidelines Mm. and we're going to get you know with my consultant and they're going to assess you and we're going to make sure that it's say do you know what i mean and so you you can sound calm and sharp and if you have a little Few lines prepared for something like that, then you know it'll just roll off the tongue. You know, in the time of stress during the exam.
0: Mm. No, I totally agree with that because you can just have one way to do something. You know, you just have a method of doing it, and then you know what you say doesn't really matter. It's how you say it.
1: Yeah, for sure, and that's I think hugely what this is about as mm. well. It's it's showing. Your ability to stay calm, show empathy, communicate, explain things, Mm. good eye contact, you Mm. know it's it's things that everyone will know already and and do day to day but Mm. I think you know hopefully these things come natural in the moment but you know it's worthwhile just saying them here now. The other instances that they list could be for example breaking bad news so giving someone a diagnosis or telling a person that their family member has passed away. For there's some examples here, such as someone has been, you know, has a complication from a treatment or a procedure.
0: Or like they've been given an incorrect medication or an incorrect dose and having to explain that to a patient yeah. um, or a patient's family member. I think normally in this situation, in the scenarios uh, for this station, it will be. Usually a patient of a a patient's family member rather than the patient themselves. So that's my experience from the station.
1: Some of the other areas that could come up in your station could be, for example, um, dealing with consent. So obtaining consent for a treatment from a patient or their family member on behalf of a patient who has, for example, a cognitive impairment. They could be examining you on how you manage challenging situations, patients who are upset or angry. It could be high pressure situations such as discussing organ donation for a patient on life support. So the last one they mention here as well is ethics. The example that is given is telling a colleague that you need to report their substance abuse as they're unsafe to continue practice. They've shown up to work intoxicated which I haven't actually heard of coming up in this particular situation, but I don't see why. Me neither,
0: me neither. And just there's one other one that we should have mentioned. Um, Confidentiality is something that they've listed as a potential scenario as Mm -hmm. well. So how to maintain confidentiality under pressure from family members. And I think this brings us in to talk about another point um, is that on the day of our exams, the invigilators um, advised us that the consent, because we were going to be dealing with the family member and not the patient themselves, we could presume that we had gained consent from the patient to speak to their family member. So that was a presumption that we were told by the invigilator at the start. So we didn't need to worry when we went in mm. to start the station that we didn't have the patient's consent to speak to their family member.
1: Yeah because of course every time you discuss patient details you should explicitly have the patient's consent so uh, i think if that's not clear i think it's worthwhile bringing it up if you haven't been explicitly told that you should that you have consent either before the exam or at the during the station i think it it's wise to mention do i have or you could even You could actually ask the examiner, I presume I have consent to talk to this family member. So I think we might now talk a little bit about how we prepared and some of the ways that we heard about ways to prepare and some of the resources that are out there. We did do some practice together. We used, I believe, I think we came up with our own scenarios and we practiced having a go at... Yeah, just Dealing kind with of these talking
0: out loud through how you would go through a different, if you're presented with a certain vignette, how yeah. you would manage that and just briefly run down the way, the methods that yeah. you would do that. And the resources that we used were um, the RCPI website, I guess, seeing looking at mm. exactly what comes up. And then secondly, we used um, Rupa Besant's book as well.
1: Mm. There's a chapter on this particular station in that book. Um, just for some tricks and techniques, especially some of the more formal aspects that you could be tested on, for example, assessing capacity, which which could certainly come up in this station as well. And that was a question in my discussion time. It was how would you assess a confused patient's capacity mm-hmm. and having a clear, Way you would assess that, and showing the examiner a clear way that you would approach assessing capacity and talking through it mm. um, would reassure the examiner, and you could get yeah. get the marks. You know, but I think if you know you want to, with all, most of these situations, have a strategy to approach these things. Mm. And I think Christine, you have a, a handy acronym.
0: Which one? <laughs> <laughs> I love my acronyms. No, um, I guess just for um breaking bad news, the SPIKES acronym is extremely handy. So, you know, S is for the setting or the environment, um, which kind of is already, you know, you can't change that during the exam, but it'll be a quiet room. You can mention that like you would turn your pager off or your bleep off maybe. Mm-hmm. P is for perception, so it's um, trying to figure out what the patient knows already. I is for invitation, so that's figuring out what the patient, how much information they want to know. K is for knowledge, so that's providing them with some information on the news that you're breaking to them. E is empathy, so you're going to be as empathetic as possible and demonstrating that in a natural way to the examiner and to the, um, the actor. S is for uh, summarise so some ask you could ask the patient to summarise what you've told them to see to kind of you know chunk and check see how much they understand about what you've just told them because you know with breaking bad news it's always that situation where the patient is in shock and you know they're only going to remember what is it they, there's like some stash that like patients will only kind of remember the first few lines and then they kind of blur out everything else so i think the s part is actually a useful step because you can figure out um, what they've actually listened to and then you can also you know explain to them the next steps and what you're going to do next to try and reassure them so yeah it's useful for the exam and for real life
1: yeah for sure I've never, I'd never heard of it until, <laughs> <laughs> until today. But the other thing I think is worth mentioning, which maybe the small bit of learnt off is the four pillars of medical ethics. And I, I can't actually remember where I heard you need to know them, but...
0: Yeah, it came up with quite a bit. I feel like everybody up, was like, Just, you, need to know you these could four. be asked that as a yeah. question at the end.
1: And... I was asked in the exam then, I said, they asked, you know the four pillars of medical ethics? So they are, number one, autonomy, which is recognizing a patient's right to make their own decisions, make their own choices about their treatment. And even if you think that their decision is medically unwise, that they still have the right to make that decision. Number two is beneficence in your practice. So beneficence is to do good, to do good on behalf of the patient. Number three is non-maleficence, which is the opposite to beneficence. So it's do no harm. It's not to do bad for a patient. And number four then is justice, which is treating patients fairly and being equal with how you distribute your time and resources amongst your patients.
0: Another way to prepare is, thanks for that, Harry. Another way to prepare is um, using uh, the past test website because there are definitely um, different videos on that, on the website that go through certain scenarios and will just give you nice ways of saying things. That's, yeah. You know, there's a few good lines there that you can use. I've
1: I think some of the study, you know, for this particular short case can be quite passive and especially with those videos, you know, it's kind of one for when you're a bit tired and one night and you just wanna do some work, but you know, just be real passive, a bit of osmosis and you can watch these videos or read through, you know, read through some of these resources and you will naturally pick up some of the ways they do it and you'll be reminded you know i think we were taught a lot of these things formally in in, in college but just a little tics, tips and tricks and how you approach one of these these consultations mm. breaking bad news or consent or capacity yeah
0: and the other way to practice is um if your hospital puts on a mock exam um with different, you know like they create different scenarios and um, that's something that we did in our regional hospital with one of the consultants and basically, he just made up three scenarios um, on the spot. And we all took turns as the SHO on, SHO on call with presented with the situation. And he was the actor. Um, and it was actually quite a good thing to do because we watched everybody do it. So mm. we were able to learn as well by watching and picking up ways in which people do things as well. I thought that was quite useful.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. The last thing worth mentioning in terms of resources to consider having a look over are the ones listed within the exam information document, which is available under the MRCPI in general medicines tab on the RCPI website. We'll try and link it in the show notes below. And on page three of this. They list about five different resources and in particular we just wanted to mention the Guide to Professional Conduct and Ethics for Registered Medical Practitioners. This is a document available on the Irish Medical Council website. If you just plug the name of it into Google it comes up fairly easily. It's from 2019. It is about 58 pages. We don't necessarily think that you need to read the whole thing cover to cover to prepare for this station however it is a good reference place to go to as it really nicely summarizes a lot of the different skills which they expect you to be familiar and competent in and could come up within the station in particular it goes through capacity consent and advanced healthcare planning as it currently stands so it could be worth checking that out and we both found that that was a useful resource as well I think the take-home message for this particular station is that some prep is important just to cover yourself with being prepared for one of these scenarios having an approach staying calm on the day and knowing your four pillars of medical ethics and you know just having done one of these stations in your prep at some point I think that's that's probably yeah, yeah.
0: I think that's the crux of it and I think like these scenarios come up all of the time like in your day-to-day yeah. life like so you know it's not a bad thing to think about once in a while and i think this exam does make you reflect on your own practice and how yeah. you could improve your practice to make your communication with your patients a lot better
1: yeah hopefully you're already pretty ethical <laughs> oh yeah yeah yeah
0: yeah no doubt
1: first of all, thank you so much for listening. And before we wrap up, we wanted to just ask if anyone has their own tips and tricks for either any of the short cases or long cases or things they wish they knew about the exam when they started studying, then please, please, please do send us in an email to mrcpibedside at gmail.com. Or you can also tweet us, (laughs)
0: <laughs> at mrcpi <laughs> bedside or you can now contact us on our new instagram account. slide into
1: our dms yes at mrcpi bedside yes and we of course just want to say a special thank you to stepping on lego band for our show music and you can contact them on their gmail which is stepping on at gmail.com
0: and just a shout out to the adult in the room
1: professor jacqueline Byrne. thank you very much for your help with season one
0: Thank you, good luck.